the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Feelings of guilt and shame. Each and every one of us out there, we have these feelings all the time. Well, maybe not all the time, but we've, we've encountered them. We have to deal with them. Every person in the world has to deal with this. And so I want us to, to discuss feelings, which is an interesting topic for me because not that I don't have feelings, but I am not a feely, touchy person. And, and don't we, I, th- I think, as a society, we're, we're one of two extremes, aren't we? Where either we, we have a lot of feelings or we suppress all the feelings, right? So... I want us to discuss that. And before we do that, I want to begin with a story. It's from the spring of 1959. I I did this lesson on Sunday night. I think it was really good. And uh, I am not intelligent enough with psychology, sociology, to really put something like this together real well. So I have uh, uh, borrowed from quite a few to help me out. Like I've said in the past, I stand on the shoulders of great men. And we all... Uh, that those I've seen and studied from stand on the Bible, the Word of God. And I think this is a very good biblical lesson. So the spring of 1959, an Air Force major entered a Texas mental institution for the second time. This man had tried to commit suicide twice. He had been arrested for forgery and robbery. For years, he had been drinking heavily. His marriage had disintegrated. Um, But... Only 15 years before this, he had been a model officer. He was heading for a promising career. It was one momentous event that precipitated the major's plunge. He is the one who flew the plane over Hiroshima when the first atom bomb was dropped. Shortly afterward, the major began uh, to be haunted in his dreams by... Uh, viewing Japanese men, women, and the children, the things that, I, that they went through, and his own life began to collapse. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's understandable. I'm not, I'm not one of those who believes that we, had did the, we did the wrong thing, although, man, if there was any other way, I don't know. But I can understand this man's plight. And his psychiatrist who had treated him said that the major was subconsciously trying to bring punishment from society to atone for the guilt he felt over Hiroshima. Unresolved guilt was destroying his life. Now, few of us suffer such grievous guilt, but all of us do experience 
feelings of guilt and shame. All of us need to learn how to embrace and how to employ those feelings in ways that are helpful rather than harmful. So, I want us to turn our attention to these two. And and the ability to feel guilt and shame is designed by God to help us. But those feelings can easily go astray and they can lead uh, us to our own destruction like it did for that poor major. So I want to first spend a few minutes thinking, thinking about guilt and shame and try to better understand these two emotions. For starters, it is important to realize that although we may use the words guilt and shame interchangeably, there is a difference between the two. Guilt and shame are related to one another, but they are not identical. Guilt is the bad feelings we have for doing something we should not have done, whereas shame is the bad feeling of regret for being an inadequate person. So to boil it down, Guilt is about what you did. Shame is about who you are. Both feelings hurt, but it is important to understand the difference. Guilt's message is, I did something wrong or bad, and there is a need for forgiveness and correction or reconciliation. Whereas shame's message is, I am bad, and there is need for an identity correction and relational connection. But here's where things can get a little mixed up or tricky. It is possible to be guilty without feeling shame, but it is also possible to feel shame when we are not guilty. We can feel shame for things we can't control and feel guilty when we haven't done anything wrong. It is also sad to me that shame is commonly experienced by victims of abuse. And that, it's not an uncommon, is it? Uh, for victims of abuse to feel more shame than the perpetrator? Uh, I see. I feel like I read about that or see movies or shows about that all the time. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, there are times when we, f- we should feel guilty, but we don't, which can be the result of ignorance, misguided conscience, or a seared conscience. And I, I like how one person put this. He said, Consciousness is when I am aware of something. Conscience is when I wish I wasn't. (laughs) Or as another one explained guilt, they said, guilt is like that red warning light on the dashboard of your car. You can either stop and deal with the trouble or break the light. Now, Satan, our enemy, has many ways of using these emotions against us. He wants us to feel one of two ways. Satan sometimes wants us not to feel guilty when we really are guilty and should feel it. But for many of us, Satan wants us to feel so much guilt and shame that we feel discouraged and hopeless. He wants us to think that there is no way God will forgive us for our wrongs. A lie we often believe is that guilt and shame are a form of punishment and from God. Satan wants us to believe that God wants us to carry the burden of guilt and shame as a form of penance because we have been so bad and are so bad. The truth that God wants us to embrace and employ is the right feelings of guilt and shame are for our good. There is a right time and a right purpose for guilt and shame. God has created us 
you know, with the ability to learn about right and wrong, and then to feel guilt and shame when we have done what we have done is wrong. When we have done something really wrong, then we are guilty, aren't we? And that guilt, first and foremost, refers to our, well, legal status before God. We, we become lawbreakers. And I'm not saying that, oh, once you commit one little sin, that's it, you've lost your relationship with God. I'm not saying that. We'll get that in a moment. But when we sin, we are guilty before God. When we sin, we should be ashamed of ourselves for having done what is wrong. Um, where's my Bible? So, like in uh, the Beatitudes, let me turn over to Matthew, make sure I, I do this right. You'd think I'd have that memorized the amount of times I've read and studied and done lessons on this. In the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That poor in spirit is recognizing how you stand before God. And then the very next one, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn. Why would you be mournful? And that's talking about your state, your sin. It's because of guilt, and it's because of shame. It leads us to do something. At least it should. When we do what is wrong, we should feel the painful emotions of guilt and shame. Our consciences should poke us and let us know that what we've done is wrong. And again, as we just said, the purpose of feeling guilt is to cause us to grieve, to mourn over our sin, to cause us to seek the forgiving and restoring grace of God and cause us to make a commitment to walk the right way. In this way, guilt and shame are not a punishment. They're not. But a good gift from God that leads to blessings. Blessed are those who mourn. They're blessed. It never feels like a blessing when you feel that way, but it is because it leads you to do the right thing. The Apostle Paul explained it uh, in his letter to the Corinthians like this, in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You know... Satan loves to build his case on half-truths, doesn't he? Though we are guilty when we sin, this verdict isn't the end of the story. The devil is our accuser and the prosecutor, but God is the judge. And if we are in Christ, Jesus is our defender. When godly grief encourages us to turn away from our sin and causes us to run to the Lord Jesus, the only one who can forgive us and remove our guilt and shame, then, then the emotions of guilt and shame, they have served us well, haven't they? I think so. But when grief and shame only cause us to be sorry about being caught, or to loathe ourselves and isolate ourselves from others or from God, then those emotions have not done what God designed them to do. Our emotions are a blessing from the Lord. He has given them to us for a reason. We should not suppress them, and we should not let them run our guidance either. They're there to make us think like a rational human being. Think with me uh, about some people in the Bible who had good reason to experience guilt and shame. For example, the Apostle Peter, the one who had been with Jesus for three years, and he professed that he was willing to die for Jesus. Remember that? 
But when Jesus uh, predicted that Peter would deny that he even knew Jesus three times before the next sunrise or before the uh, rooster crowed, Peter declared that would never happen. No, not me, Lord, not so. But it did happen. Peter Peter denied knowing uh, Jesus, uttering oaths about that. Oh, I swear, I, I don't know the man. He even called curses out on himself. And Luke tells us in his gospel that after the third denial, Jesus and Peter's eyes met. And Peter remembered, could you imagine that? How how horrible that's got that must feel to the the, the deny Jesus like that and then to see his eyes and remember what he told you that you would do that as you told you would die for him guilt and shame Peter went out and wept bitterly and scripture reveals that Peter struggled to overcome that guilt and shame but it also reveals that Jesus after the resurrection gave Peter that special conversation that 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 message Peter do you do you agape me Oh, Lord, you know I phileo you, different words of love. And he went through that three times. And at the third one, Jesus said, do you phileo me? And he was grieved. But he got it. He understood. And in 50 days after the resurrection, Peter boldly stood up and proclaimed the gospel for the first time. And 3,000 people were baptized. What a blessing. Peter did not allow his feelings of guilt and shame to stop him from serving the Lord. So asked Peter, what about the Apostle Paul and the good reasons he had to struggle with guilt and shame? As you know, before Paul became a follower of Christ, he was a persecutor of Christians. Paul had ordered men and women to be imprisoned and executed, and the only wrong they had committed was a profession of faith in Christ. Oh, how easy it would have been for Paul to feel guilt and shame about that after his conversion to Christ. Hmm. And I'm sure Satan's uh, frequent accusations, uh, accusations against Paul was that he was a blasphemer and a persecutor. Even, even Paul explains this and his ability and how he overcame this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 16. He writes, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. Man, I like that. More than abundant. With the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. So that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Paul did not allow his feelings of guilt and shame to stop him from serving the Lord. I think about King David and the good reasons he had to struggle with guilt and shame. For starters, as the one thing we all know, remember this is the man of God's own heart. He's got that sexual sin that uh, was involved with Bathsheba and that began with lust and turned into a murder so that he could have the woman he wanted. That sexual sin led to a pregnancy and then to the death of that newborn. Man, talk about some heavy guilt and shame. That's quite a bit. And 
Add to that David's decision to do a census against the advice of Joab, his army commander. And the Lord's judgment against David resulted in a plague that killed 70,000 of David's men. More guilt, more shame. But then in the 32nd Psalm, verses 1 through 5, here's how David dealt with it. How blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my, through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever or heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. The hand of the Lord was heavy upon him. Not that God was punishing him. That wasn't it. We know that. He was using those emotions to try to get David to wake up. He was moving in a bad direction. Then the 51st Psalm, verses 1 through 4. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my, all my iniquities. David brought his remorseful and repentant heart to the Lord. And David believed that God would and God did forgive and did remove the guilt of his sin. I want us to consider... Two more people before we uh, wrap this up that, that uh, had an encounter with Jesus. And these were at moments of great guilt and shame. You'll, you'll know both these stories. The first one's found in John chapter 8. A woman who was dragged before Jesus who had been caught in the act of adultery. The scripture tells us that the Pharisees had brought this woman to Jesus in order to trap him. If the Pharisees were really interested in justice, the man she was caught in the act of adultery with would also have been brought before Jesus, but... I don't know. He wasn't. That, because their motives. It tells you a little something about their motives. Yet here was this vulnerable woman being forced into a public moment of great shame. Now, was she guilty? Absolutely. Did she deserve the punishment of the law? Yes, she did. But being God, Jesus knew how to diffuse the situation and gain control over the outcome. By proposing that only someone without sin could throw the first stone. He knew that he was the only one there who would, would be qualified for such a thing. And the Bible tells us in John 8, 9, when they heard it, those who were there to uh, stone her, when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. I like that. The older and more wiser knew more quickly that they were disqualified. Then Jesus asked the woman, Woman, where are they? Those who condemned you. Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and from and sin no more. Awesome. That is awesome. 
The other person is, again, another woman, Luke chapter 7, who is described as a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town. Likely a prostitute, but we can't know for certain. But a certain Pharisee was holding a dinner party for Jesus. But this Pharisee did not, he did not really have a high opinion of Jesus. And it showed. He showed it by the lack of proper etiquette that he had, he had toward Jesus. But nevertheless, this sinful woman slipped in among the guests and began to weep. And her tears fell on the feet of Jesus, which she wiped with her hair. Then she kissed the feet of Jesus and poured expensive perfume on them. The Pharisee was indignant and judged Jesus in his heart. Jesus corrected him with the story, but then praised this sinful woman, declaring that her sins were forgiven, and concluded that her faith had saved her, and for her to go in peace. Interesting. Just like the two women in those stories, we all must face the aftermath of our sin, even though most of us don't have to face it in such a public manner. Just like those women, we have to face the truth of what we have done. We are guilty. And just like those women, there is a way out. There is a way of forgiveness and repentance. But just like those women, we have to take Jesus at his word. Neither do I condemn you. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, this is the key to our embracing and employing the emotions of guilt and shame properly. When our feelings of guilt and shame cause us to turn to the Lord in repentance and confession, we have to believe God when he says that we are forgiven. Here's some helpful promises from the Lord. But if we walk in the light, this is 1 John 1, verses 7 through 9. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. When we feel overwhelmed with feelings of guilt and shame, but we know that we are in Christ and have confessed and repented before the Lord, then we must listen to that voice of truth. And it boils down to choosing between these two. Will we allow the voice of emotion or the voice of truth to have the greatest impact in our lives? The truth is that if we are in Christ, then we have made mistakes since. But we are not a mistake. We're children of God. We're made in his image. We're loved. We're forgiven. We're redeemed. Saved if we have been baptized into Christ. People we come across in our lives need to know and understand this. We make mistakes for certain, yes. But we are not the mistake. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus, who separates our sins as far as east is from west. When we realize this, the accuser's charges are silenced. We can stop letting the feelings of guilt and shame to overwhelm us because in Christ, our guilt and shame have been removed because we are in Christ. 
we know that we are forgiven for those of us who have been baptized into Christ. I want to end with this story. There was a, a group of boys. They were horsing around at summer camp, and they were not being supervised as closely as they should have been. One of the boys grabbed a large stick, threw it like a javelin, and the limb did some serious damage to a, a wind. I don't know if it was the windshield or the side of the camp van, but it, it did some damage to one of the windows on the camp van. So the boys confessed their impropriety to the director, who had, after inspecting the damage, wanted to skin these boys alive. And who wouldn't, right? But the director composed himself, went back to the boy who was crying. He was upset, took him by the shoulders and in his hands, looked him square in the eyes and said, this is the sort of thing that insurance is for. Don't worry. Relax. It's all taken care of. Now, do you think that made the boy feel better? I think so. And according to the story, it did. But I like this because whenever we are hounded by guilt, and shame. I want for us to picture Jesus coming to us, taking our shoulders in his hands, looking us squarely in the eyes, and saying, this is the sort of thing my blood is for. Don't worry. Relax. It's all taken care of. If you have been baptized into Christ, you have that. And that guilt and that shame does go away. I know, because I still experience guilt and shame for things I've done. I still have sin, and I I get so frustrated with myself and upset. But when I bring it to the Lord, he lifts it away. So many people in this world, they don't, they don't know how to deal with their emotions. I mean, we see that, right? And it's no longer an American culture, or I don't know where it started, this whole emotion thing. Uh, but lack of it, lack of understanding of it, but it's bad. I mean, you just open up a video. I saw a video recently of this woman who cut this guy off with her cart at a Walmart. And when he called her out for cutting her off, she had almost a, a nervous meltdown. She couldn't handle the emotion. How sad. You and I should know how to do that. Those of us who are in the Word of God, we should know how to deal with these things. And we have the ability to help them. Are you willing to do that? We have the time to do it. And that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians, about redeeming the time. Make the most of the opportunities we have now because the days are evil. So as we wrap this up, we're out of time. Think about this. Remember that when you're out there talking with folks and help them see how to properly deal with these emotions by being the light Christ wants you to be. Thank you, and God bless. Till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.